Ryan and McKenzie are like the yin and the yang of visible eardom. I don't know what you want to do with that, but I'm throwing it out there. So, Jim, here's the story. I was at my dad's house whenever I was last allowed to travel to Tulsa, I guess. And he just looked at me and frowned. I said, what? And he said, your ears are really flat to your head. And uh, all these Zoom meetings, and I'm sitting here looking at myself thinking, they are? I can't see my ears. (laughs) (laughs) They don't even, like, I can't pull them out very far. They're like attached to my yeah, head if you pull them out as far as possible that's what a normal person looks like i know oh so well we are here another episode of consider this with james allen johnson one of the pastors at sunnybrook christian church and ryan uh thomas vincent don't actually know if that's his middle name but my name's actually my middle name's allen <laughs> what Spelled differently. Scott's middle name is Alan. Paul's middle name is Alan. It's weird. Quan's Quan's uh, new name is Alan. Yes. So a lot of Alans coming through here, and I'm glad to be with many of them. Uh, we are in the middle of Corona season and isolation, so we're coming at you with another Zoom version of this for the visual audience. Uh, the audio people, you have no idea. That's okay. We still love you, even though you can't see our faces and we can't see yours. Uh, today's subject, as we approach the resurrection, uh, I think is going to be really helpful for all of us. Something I've enjoyed thinking through, and I'm really excited to hear your guys' thoughts. Why do we need the resurrection now more than ever? And maybe not more than ever, but in times like these, Why is the resurrection such an important thought? We're going to be getting to that, building up to that. But first thing I want to start with is this question. Are we overselling the times like these piece? Um, A lot of people are either underselling, overselling. Is this really that unique? Are these really that dark of times? Or is it actually appropriate for us to address in a unique way? Yeah, I'll, I'll take the first run at it. I don't think we're overselling it in one sense. I don't think to, uh, to point to one thing and say that killed 12,000 Americans in the last month is to, uh, I don't think we ought to take that lightly, right? Um, but if you're saying, does this therefore make this time unique in history? Well, of course not. Um, there have been lots of pandemics and other tragedies um, that have happened throughout history. And then maybe even the next level of your question would be, is that therefore, uh, is this a unique problem that the church is having to deal with? And uh, we've talked about this on a number of podcasts, but uh, far from it. In in fact, you know, you wonder if um, this feels unique because for the last 40, 50 years in the, at least the, the Western church, maybe even the North American church, times have been pretty cushy. And so it feels different by just contrast. And so um, there are probably some who are overselling it, but there's, a, there's an element of it that is very, very serious. And then there's an element of it that is life is normal in the church. Jim, you agree? Overselling, underselling? Yeah, I mean, it depends on who's selling. So I think there are people making more of it than necessary. I think there are people that are making light of it. And it's a bigger, bigger deal. Um, I think it is such a, like all situations, 
I think it is, it, it can be so specific. So when I think about the one family in our church whose, whose dad is uh, in an ICU, ICU unit um, uh, in San Antonio, Texas right now, man, it's a really, really big deal. And uh, I, I get that that adds a whole other level of concern and difficulty listening to a family that lives in Alabama whose son at 31 passed away uh, up on the East Coast and they weren't able to say goodbye to him. I mean, it's hard to go, dude, it's not that big of a deal. No, it really is a big deal to a lot of people. And so therefore, um, and not that's, you know, that's just uh, those people who are dealing with COVID at a, at a medical level. Um, but there's, there's a number of people that have lost their jobs. There's a number of people that are dealing with the weight of trying to keep their business going and a genuine desire to care for their employees. And so when I think about it, yeah, those, those are pretty serious things. So it depends on how, on how you're looking at it. And so if you think this is the end of all things, then I would say you're overselling it. If you're going, oh, this is really not that big of a deal, I don't think you're paying attention uh, to what's going on. I think it's affecting a lot of us in multitude of ways. Um, and, and you know that's the, the, the importance of us having a, a degree of discernment in terms of what are the times in which we live? Uh, what are the circumstances in which I and my family are facing or we as a church are facing? And then how do we interpret those times and then find our hope in the gospel, find our hope in the, the presence and the protection of God, find our hope in the mission of the church, find our hope in, um, and then what we're gonna talk about is, is in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. How does, how does that then allow us to appropriate the, the right level of, of concern and engagement sure. um, for the glory of God, benefit of others, and for our own, uh, our own satisfaction and joy. So I would say you guys are probably people who you're paying attention at some level to how the, the national response, the national media to this, you're on social media at some level. So how people you have some type of connection with are responding. And um, part of the things we've been doing at the church is personally calling many of our members um, and communicating it that way. What observations do you have to how people are reacting to this? And kind of part two of that, have you seen an actual difference, not a theoretical difference, but an actual difference between how the church or followers of Jesus have responded and the way the world has responded? Um, I'll, I'll throw this up. And again, I think, I think specificity is going to show us uh, both similarities and differences, right? But I'll, I'll, I'll stick with the similarity. Uh, it, it, and it is encouraging to me to even see humanity respond in a humane way to show the, the, the level of concern and desire and engagement that a number of people are, are, uh, are demonstrating, businesses that are doing what they can in humanitarian efforts, um, neighbors who are showing kindness and caring for one another. I don't think you have to be a follower of Jesus Christ uh, to act in a humane way. And so there is a sense in which, um, particularly in our context in Stillwater, uh, uh, it, I don't, I don't think I'm the only one or Sunnybrook or even the church in Stillwater are the only ones caring for one another and making sure the, the most vulnerable are cared for and the needs of those, you know, the government responded by saying, Hey, if you're unemployed, we're going to give you, and then they began to, to, to open up the doors to provide for families. Um, uh, so yeah, there's, there's a lot of good things that are happening and I see the church acting very much like the world 
and I and I and I in that sense, I don't think it's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I can speak to even just my own experience uh, as I've been talking with people in the church as to how they're processing things, needs that they might have. Um, I'm kind of going back and forth between. Um, well, no, I'm I'm pretty firmly in this spot where I have grown um, especially sensitive to um, the fears that people have that I don't, that I might not personally have. Mm. Um, Whereas the vast majority of time when, when, you know, um, it's smooth sailing, no one has to fear from touching other people or being in their presence. I'm probably more prone to challenge some, some, uh, what I call unhealthy or maybe even um, unholy fear in people that is just, um, they're, they're not trusting in what the, what the scriptures say about God's providence and God's control and his sovereignty. And they just, they just feel like they need to worry about everything. I'm more, I'm more apt to challenge that very head on when the sailing is smooth. In this, like situationally, in this season, I'm really backing off of that. And I'm letting people feel what they need to feel. And um, not that I'm going to do that, um, you know, ad nauseum, not that I'm going to just let someone just mire in their, their, their fears if they're unnecessary. But I've grown a lot more sensitive to, uh, you know, maybe my role here is not to confront it, but to, to comfort the one who has it by kind of standing shoulder to shoulder with them. And they're panicked. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put on a mask for them. I, I might not feel the need to wear that mask right now, which... Um, you literally don't mean like a mask, meaning um, a, a different <laughs> persona. You literally mean... No, and seriously, when yeah. you were talking, I thought you were meaning, so I'm going to put on a persona. I'm going to oh, put no, 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 a, no. But now you're literally going, no, like I'm talking like a COVID mask. Yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. I, I, was, I was thinking this this morning, and I'll bounce this off you guys. Um, so we're, we're doing almost all of our grocery shopping via pickup. Like, we, if, if at all possible, we really avoid going in the store right now. Just kind of best practice, it seems. Um, and I thought, well, why would I wear a mask? I'm going to be outside. They're just going to put the, the groceries in the back of the van, blah, 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 blah. But I always kind of, I, I, every time we do pickup, I go out, I get out of my car, and I go and I talk to them. And I even help them put the things in the car. And I thought... What does it look like if I wear a mask um, and they're not? And I thought, I wonder if I could just tell them, look, I'm I'm only doing this because I, you know, I'm not because I think that you're sick, but I'm just worried that maybe if, if there's a possibility that I have it, I don't want to give it to you. So just out of out of kindness to you. And then I thought of certain people that are just really scared and they're going to wear a mask and goggles and a hazmat suit. And I thought, what do I need to do? to now's not the time to say dude you're going too far now's the time to say all right what can i do to help you feel better do you want me to put on a mask i can do that will that will that calm you down right now and so as i've just taken a little bit of a different disposition toward um toward people that are that have very legitimate concerns and some of their concerns are truly illegitimate and i'm treating both of them more similar than I, more similarly than i normally would um at least for their sake. So one, you know, another thing that I thought through is uh, I find uh, the world's response to this uh, really fascinating. So in effect, this is, this is what we've been told to do. 
you're probably fine, Justin. You're a strapping, handsome, healthy young man. You're probably good. I appreciate that. I want you, huh? I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Yeah, well, it's true. Um, I want you, this is what the world's telling us. I want you to alter your life um, for the sake of others because you would probably survive it, but so-and-so's grandma would not. So I want you to inconvenience yourself for the time being. And I think, okay, great. I'm, I'm 100% on board with that. Can I just say, that's what those of us who are against abortion have been saying for decades and decades and decades, that would you, for the sake of another human being, inconvenience yourself? And I find it interesting that that advice is being turned back on me from the powers that be. And uh, yeah, I'm not gonna use this as like my smoking gun to win an abortion argument, but it is interesting because now uh, at, the, at least the national stage for us, things are playing out such that we have to care about other image bearers in a way that is not going to benefit me directly. I'm being asked to lay aside my own rights for the sake of others. Um, I look forward to some conversations down the road in light of this kind of illustration playing itself out at the national stage. So I don't know what we want to do with that, but I just kind of sitting in bed the other night thinking, this is the pro-choice or the, the, the pro-life argument being played out in a different sense. Sure. The one other thing, the one other thing I would add, though, uh, not not though. The one thing I think I would add is that there is a fundamental difference between the way the church handles things and unbelievers handle things, in terms of the motivation and the direction uh, that we're pointing towards, and then that becomes a fundamental difference that you might not be able to tell the difference between the way that Jim and his neighbor are caring for a third neighbor. You, you might just look at it and it looks yeah. like groceries and it looks like mowing their yard and it looks the same, but there is a fundamental difference. And this is what the church fails to recognize is that, is that one is genuinely done out of a love for the other her, person. And then a believer does it out of a recognition of God and his sovereignty and for his glory and then for the benefit of others. And that becomes a fundamental difference. That's what makes the church different than the United Way. God bless the United Way. But the fundamental difference is the reasoning behind this. And so we learn to love people because they are made in God's image. And we have a, an understanding of people that uh, even has like eternal dimensions to it. Whereas the, the world, so to speak, the un, uh, the, uh, the unsaved, uh, the unsanctified world doesn't have that dimension. And I, and, and I don't want to make small of that dimension. And so it's really important that as we are even doing things, uh, that we're mindful of the reasoning behind it and the purpose of it. That's good. I've wondered, I've often wondered too, how much um, when we, Jim, you're mentioning on paper, hello, uh, on paper, you can kind of think, oh, well, both the church and uh, the government are kind of acting in similar ways. How can you tell the difference? Motivation is one thing. And also I wonder how much uh, the world governing authorities have caught up to the, the path the church has blazed in the past. Um, we were all on a Zoom session with a professor from Baylor who talked about here's how the church has responded throughout history to some of these epic pandemics that have uh, occurred. And 
the church used to be the only one that stayed behind to care for the sick. The church, before there were hospitals, the church started to care for the sick and were willing to lay their own lives down to, um, whether that's to incarnate into the life of a very sick home or to self-isolate knowing that we're going to choose to be the sick one so that the people at the town next door don't have to catch it. Um, and so that's, that's one thing I've wondered about. This probably not the time for that podcast, but let's get into our main theme. Why now in the midst of COVID-19 is the re- resurrection such an important um, reality for all of us? Well, before we jump into some texts, I can just say kind of um, maybe anecdotally, um, one one thing that I've experienced in this in in the last couple of weeks is this ongoing kind of um, angst as to like a timeline. When are we going to get an all clear? When are we going to get a uh, ballpark of when an all clear can be issued? You know, is it two weeks from now? Is it two months from now? Is it eighteen months from now? Yeah, and we don't have those numbers, or at least we don't have any reliable ones right now. And so it's a little bit of a edge of the seat kind of thing, hoping for some resolution that I don't yet have. And so there's just this, um, in in many of us, there's this kind of this growing angst at not having answers. And uh, it's fun to overlay the resurrection on top of that and say I've got an answer. I don't have a timeline, but I've got an answer. And um, I can put all my hope in that. And that, that kind of, um, it, at least for me, it, it dissolves the angst I have about other things whenever I look to something. So again, before we get into some passages that speak to that a bit more precisely, um, in the COVID-19 season, as you described it, um, a lot of people are looking for a glimmer of hope. And for those of us who are about to celebrate Easter Sunday, we, we came into the crisis with a hope that really just, you, you, can't, you can't find a hope greater than this. And you can't have, find a hope in something more certain than this. Mm-hmm. And so just kind of to lay the groundwork, that's something that I've thought through yeah. heading towards a virtual Easter. <laughs> I think that's really good. I mean, think about how much uh, we have no idea when this is going to end. And so now we have to only choose how we live in the meantime. Huh, that sounds a lot like how we anticipate the return of Christ. So we're talking about the resurrection, um, but that points toward our resurrection from the dead. We don't know when actually all things will fully be made new and made right. Um, and there's some parallels there between what we're experiencing now and um, our Christology of the return of Jesus. And I think that's, that's really helpful, Ryan. Jim, what are your thoughts? Well, I think one of the, one of the, one of the struggles that, that we have is that when we when we speak about the resurrection, which I'm preaching on this Sunday, we we often think of of resurrection as heaven and resurrection as the next life. Mm. But that's not when you read Paul and Peter, particularly. But you know, I might want to say every New Testament writer. But I'm, I've been in Paul and Peter recently. Um, they don't have like a yeah. I guess we're just going to have to get through somehow. But you know what? Hey, the truth is, we'll make it. We'll somehow. I mean, I don't know how actually, but we'll make it. It's a little bit of the worldly mentality of COVID, right? The worldly mentality of COVID is, I promise we're going to get through this. But it's not necessarily like a hopeful we're going to get through this. It's just everybody hunker down and we're just going to kind of push through it. And and that's really not how they talk about the resurrection. So although the resurrection has its 
future dimension that we need to be mindful of so that when Jim breathes his last breath on this earth, it's not his last breath. And so there is a hope that stands beyond this life. The, the resurrection of Jesus Christ actually brings perspective and meaning into this life. It, it helps me, um, you know, and that's why I think even in Ephesians 1, where the Apostle Paul is describing the power of the Spirit that now lives in us. And he makes a statement at the end of the chapter, which is the same power that raised Christ from the dead now lives in you. So you have this resurrection power um, that exists in us today, which doesn't just give us the, the eschatological, the end time uh, hope, but it actually gives a present time hope in us. And so we are able to look at relationships and circumstances from a end time perspective because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so um, in that sense, the resurrection can be really, really helpful now because it's the kind of fear that mobilizes, or it's the kind of fear, um, or it's the kind of hope in the midst of fear that mobilizes yeah. and doesn't immobilize. It actually gives us perspective. Um, so COVID comes and all of our perspectives get shrunk, right? All I, can, all I can see is my house. All I can think about is my family. All I can actually do is uh, be concerned about my health or the health of my loved ones, right? Um, and, and the resurrection actually causes us to, to not just only see that, but then see the, the concentric circle out so the resurrection is 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 uh to use the phrase designed by god but it is intended by god um to to be a transformational reality that transforms now in light of the future um and i and i think it's just important that we remember that um so i i think what has happened right now is that there's a greater sensitivity to it because for all of us, I heard a gentleman say, and maybe I've shared this on the other on another podcast, but I heard a gentleman say that your likelihood of dying uh, today has doubled with COVID. And and what he meant by that was now, first of all, like what were the chances of this wonderfully healthy Justin Ebert dying today? And they're extremely small, so it's doubled. So it's still extremely small. Um, so he was pointing out, like, there really isn't anything for the vast majority of us to worry about. But it's the reality of that that gets us thinking in some different ways. And so now all of a sudden, this, this, uh, this future possibility comes close, er, right? Comes close, er, all. And how do we respond? And I think that is the, the joy that we can find in thinking about the resurrection of Jesus. Yeah, I think Paul, Paul kind of, um, even in places other than Ephesians 1, where he's, he's not talking about current resurrection power, but he's talking about um, the resurrection. He, he gets into, like the historical resurrection, he gets into the practical outworkings of what that means for today. So, like the most famous chapter of the resurrection outside of the Gospels is 1 Corinthians 15. And it's interesting because Paul lays it out. He says this, this doctrine, this idea, the, the historical reality that Christ is no longer dead, but rose from the grave. It is, it is essential to the gospel. It's a core. It is the core of the gospel. And then he says that the resurrection is important for our faith. And then he gets into that Christ's resurrection, therefore guarantees ours. Then he talks about how you experience that in some sense as a Christian. Then he talks about what your resurrection body is going to be like. 
then at the very end, he starts talking about how this, this resurrection is like Christ's victory in himself and therefore for us over death. And that famous death has been swallowed up in victory, where death is your victory, where death is your sting. And then at the very end of this beautiful chapter, talking in many cases in theory about Christ's resurrection and ours, he says at the very end, uh, therefore, brothers and sisters, be steadfast, be immovable, always excelling in the Lord's work, because you're, you know your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's amazing how he takes all of this and says, now go and live the resurrection life now. And, uh, and, and he echoes that in, in Philippians 3, he says it in Romans 8. Um, for Paul, it was, it was a, an eschatological or an end times hope that had unbelievable current ramifications. Well, and, and the other, on, on top of that, uh, let me say this quickly, Justin, on top of that, you know, when you think about what the resurrection did was the resurrection was the vindication of Christ. So the, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Pulling people's attention to Psalm 22. And Psalm 22 is that God will protect and vindicate his servant who suffers unjustly. And so the resurrection is the, is the fulfillment of that, of the God vindication. So the resurrection, in essence, gives me the vindication, right, of my faith. And that's kind of what I'm really, really excited about. I'm excited about the, the vindication of my faith. So it, it strengthens my hope and my belief, not just in an, another life, but in everything that God has declared like I, uh, my faith becomes so much more vibrant when I realize that these aren't just wishful thinking ideas. These aren't just alternative ways of living um, or caring for one another. That everything that God has said is proven true in God breaking into time by raising his son, our savior, his, his anointed one, his Messiah from the dead. And so all of the goodness of God as described in the scriptures are resurrected, mm-hmm. come to life again. Mm-hmm. Anastasis. That is good. That is good. I think it's really helpful to for us all to remember. It's not like we're just looking forward to the time we can get through this, and we're just we have our blinders on, our our earmuffs. We don't want to hear bad news. We don't want to see bad things. We just are looking forward when Jesus returns, or we're just looking forward to when life's back to normal and COVID's done. No, actually, actually. Somebody I don't agree with on everything, uh, but I like this tweet. Uh, Miroslav Volf said that we cannot, we don't choose the times in which we live. We choose how we live and the times we've been given. And I think that is, and then kind of what we're trying to say here, in light of what Jesus has already done, in light of the plan God has had in Himself as Father, Son, and Spirit since the beginning of time, that plays a huge part in how we live now, how we are to walk in daily life. And yes, it's, it does have a root in our hope of the future, but that does not mean somehow we don't live now fully an abundant life that Christ experienced, that he wants us to experience as the will of God comes to this earth in the here and now. So um, I guess you guys throw in any final thoughts you have on that, but what I want to kind of spend our last time doing is actually helping our people like Hey, theologians, you're, you're saying things. I don't really know what you mean or how to do it. How do I actually focus on the resurrection? And how do I actually live out this resurrection life that you're 
speaking of conceptually, uh, help, help, help the audience understand what it means to focus on and live out the resurrection. You know, I'll tell you, where, where, give me an example of a situation that somebody is going through because, again, that's where the specificity matters. So when I had a call recently, um, and I've had more than one of these, where someone is expressing concern about themselves or the circumstances around them or somebody else, I love to just remind them, okay, what is the concern? Well, you know, financial. Okay, but what's the financial concern? Well, you know, paying my rent. Oh, you don't have your rent for this month? Well, no, I do. Okay, next month? Well, no, I do. Okay, the month after that? Well, that I don't know. Okay, so then our concern is who is going to provide the money for, and so to walk through the specifics of that really kind of helps us kind of fine tune that. So I hate to just to throw this back on you, Justin, but can you give a circumstance in which somebody is, is probably going through right now that we could get a sense of to add yeah. a resurrection hope? Yeah, so I'll throw, you, I'll throw out two or three and you guys can latch on to whatever. One situation, we have a, a mom with younger kids. She used to be a full-time um, working mom um, who sent her kids to school. Now she's working from home or doesn't have a job and she's with her kids 24-hour day and that um, unique situation is causing some frustration, um, maybe some anxiety. You have somebody who already lived alone, who got to have some relationships at church or in their job, now is very isolated, feels lonely, borderline depressed because Zoom sessions only go so far in meeting um, emotional attachments with relationships. Uh, you have an elderly couple who isn't able to be with their grandparents or not traveling like they wanted to at this time in their life. Wait, an elderly um, couple can't be with their grandparents? I doubt if that's happening. Oh, grandkids, my bad. Okay. <laughs> if, you've got, if you've got an elderly couple that are upset that they're not with their grandparents, we got a whole new conversation about the resurrection. Well, what, what's, who's the president that still has his, like, nephew alive? Who? <laughs> I who is that? No, it's uh, it's somebody from. Oh yeah, it's a it's a president from around just after the Civil War. His grandson who still has his great, his great, maybe just his grandson or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had a kid in his seventies, and then his son had a kid in his late sixties or seventies. So his grandson is still alive. Yeah. From the 18th. Okay, so the last scenario I'll throw out is somebody who thought they were good. They thought they had their relationship with the Lord figured out, you know, life was going good with their family, with their job. They're a small business owner and they're they have to close shop now. Like they don't have a store anymore. Their whole what they thought was their future just crumbled to the ground. So there's just a few scenarios. How does the resurrection of Jesus speak to those? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it, it, interestingly enough, I think it, it speaks to all of them in a very, in a very similar way. Um, so the resurrection gives us perspective in terms of the limits of this life. And so when, when people are describing uh, the angst that they're going through, so I'll, I'll, I'll deal with those people that are just dealing with the, the common struggles that children bring. <laughs> I think that in my past, I would uh, probably have dismissed, going back to what Ryan was describing about having a degree of empathy, appreciating where people are coming from. Um, it's probably easy for me, I was expressing in our staff meeting today, how much um, I have found some benefit. In, I'm an extrovert by, by design, uh, God's design. 
And, uh, uh, and yet right now, surprisingly enough, I'm enjoying a, a different way of living. And I'm being able to kind of think through some things that are been put, put upon me in terms of solitude um, and, and quiet. And so I'm able, to, I'm able to recognize some of those differences. So when this gets pushed upon us, it brings a certain perspective about our own limitations or our own frustrations. So on the one hand, and I can appreciate, so when I'm commenting on how I'm enjoying this, somebody said in our staff, and I won't say who it was because it was Drew Moss and he hates it when I do this to him. But Drew Moss said, yeah, that's easy for you to say. You don't have kids at home. And I, I get that. I really, really do. I promise you that if, if Andrew and I were in the same house and the three boys were running around, it would be a completely different dynamic. And it would be probably much more stressful. Um, but with the power of the resurrection, it, some people think like, the, so the, how does the power of the resurrection make me enjoy frustrating children? <laughs> and it doesn't. Yeah. How does the power of the resurrection make me not believe that COVID is a dangerous thing? It can't. It can't. But what it does is it puts that in perspective of everything else around it. So it's a little bit like when you're looking at the problems or the difficulties, the person who can um, be dealing with a frustration of children on them constantly or the isolation, being alone and separate from everything else. When all of a sudden you bring the resurrection into play, it's not a magic bullet. It doesn't in some kind of magic way, my phone's gonna ring. Um, it doesn't in some magic way make it all disappear. It just brings a certain perspective in, into the dynamic. Which means, by the way, then we deal with the difficulty. Um, when children are just bringing natural frustration, the, the power of the resurrection, resurrection kind of reminds me of who I am and of God's power in me. And I do everything from telling the kids, go play outside for a while. <laughs> um, and, and, and it allows me, again, not by, not by some kind of magical deposit, hmm. but just from a perspective. Uh, it, it gives me a, a degree of hope. So I've got a granddaughter that lives in Poland um, uh, and just the reality that should something happen to me, so let's pretend I'm the old one in this situation, and I never get to see her again. Like that's what I'm afraid of, right? I'm really afraid of never getting to see her again. Or what about a Canadian who's living in Stillwater, whose parents live in Canada, and should they get COVID because they're, they're in their late 80s, I'll never see them again. The power of the resurrection says, no, yeah, you will. Mm. You will see them again. And so you get to grieve, but not as though in the world who, with people who have no hope. And so Andrew and I are be able to, in a perspective, recognize what's going on. Andrea works at Stillwater Medical Center. And so in light of what she's going to be doing over the next few weeks, even though she's not like in a huge risk situation, definitely a little more than usual. And we have one of our sons who lives here who's immune compromised. And so we had him over for the last time about a week ago to come to the house. And Andrea said to me at the end of that, when, when it was done, I didn't even have this perspective. She said, and it wasn't like this, oh, woe is me. But she said, wow, I just, I, I had to stop and think there for a moment. I may never see him again. And I just, I sat there and it hit me. I'm like, well, what do you mean by that? We're going to see him. No, no, she goes, no, 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 no. I, I really do believe we're going to see him again. But in light of what's going on, should he get sick? Should it happen in a matter of days? Like, I don't know what's going to happen. 
And, and yet she wasn't like forlorn. She wasn't all torn up inside. She didn't go sit in the corner and cry. Although she did have like an emotional response, which is, a, which is a, not a bad thing. But it was the power of her belief in Christ and her belief in the resurrection that put the possibility of that, even though we believe it's remote, into the right context. And she went to work today mm. with a smile on her face, um, being the hands and feet of Jesus. And so I think that's the beauty of it. I think some people go, Jim, can you just give me the power of the resurrection so that I don't have to do life? Yep. And it's like, no, that's, that's magic. We don't believe in magic. We believe in a hope that is present in us by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and is also finally consummated at the great day when our faith is sight. Yeah, yeah that's really good. I think the, uh, it plays into how we read the scriptures as well, what you're talking about. Of, it's not like you can just think about the resurrection and now all your problems are gone. Some people think when you open up the Bible, you just there's going to be like this list of everything you're supposed to do to handle COVID better. And then you <laughs> end up opening up to a genealogy or how priests are supposed to do the sacrifices, and you're wondering, uh, you're disheartened. Like, I thought this was supposed to fix my life. I don't need to know Abraham's seventh grandchild. Um, and when you, you see the Bible like that, it can create a problem. Actually, what the Bible is supposed to do is to remind us of who God is, to what he's done. And, and that, it leads us to something new. It, it gives us a perspective of God so that we actually know how to live. That's what the scriptures are supposed to do in the, in the same thing. The resurrection isn't some kind of magic. If your thought goes there, all your problems go away. No, it actually gives us a better perspective on all the things that are surrounding us. I think that's good. Well, the resurrection is, and I'll, give, I'll let Ryan do the final words. This will be quick. The resurrection is the confirmation that God accepted Jesus as the atoning for proof of this by raising him from the dead. Okay which means that for those of us who have that peace with God, which comes through the confirmation of the resurrection, that is a game changer across the board. Mm -hmm. it, can be, uh, it can be disconcerting the first time you come to, you have to grapple with the idea of uh, something can be simultaneously unbelievably true, like the resurrection, unbelievably profound, like the resurrection, and right now, unbelievably impractical, like the resurrection. And it doesn't mean that it doesn't answer um, so, uh, uh, the, the questions, uh, the question of COVID or human fragility. It just means that sometimes I come to the scriptures and I'm begging it to answer questions it doesn't answer. It was never meant to answer. Um, it seems like the more that I come to the scriptures and I see these deep and profound truths, the more I see God inviting me to, uh, to broaden my horizons a little bit and just say, hey, dude, you do realize that you, your understanding of reality began on July 25th, 1985. Uh, and really, it didn't even really start until probably like a year later. And even then, it was just adorable, but it was useless. And here we are in 2020. And you think you've kind of got a grip on things and a view of how things, let me just say as the one, I think this is the Lord, as the one um, who existed before time began, I've got things under control. 
And, uh, and the, the more that I've realized that anxiety is setting in or I'm going to the scriptures and my questions aren't being answered, the more that I realize that I am, I am feigning um, knowledge and wisdom, but in reality, I'm living with blinders on. And the, the, the scriptures just say, hold on, let me give you a, a bigger picture of what's going on. And so I don't know if this is where we want to end, but I did want to sneak this in in 2 Corinthians 4. After talking about how fragile the human body is, Paul says this. He says, therefore, we do not give up. Even though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. So we do not focus on what is seen, but on what is unseen. But what is seen is temporary, and what is unseen is eternal. And I think that that points back to what you said, Justin, is that this, one of the practical things we can do in those situations you mentioned is to, to go back to the, the infallible, authoritative, um, absolutely trustworthy word of God. Yeah. And um, not in a way as to put our head down and ignore circumstances, but in a way of probably more than anything to pull our head up and see them more clearly and with a wider perspective. That's really good. Well, um, any final words? That's a great one to end on. I am grateful Jesus was raised from the dead. I am more grateful than both of you. (laughs) There's no way you're more grateful than me. Huh. I would actually like to be part of that podcast. I I am. Let me let me let me give you a kind of a quantifiable. I'm really grateful. Mm. Mm. That's good. That's deep. Thank you. Threw that out, man. uh, We're going to descend into darkness real quick if we keep going down this road. So, if you are listening to this and you have any questions or thoughts, reach out to us. You can send an email to steve at sunnybrookcc.org. And if you have any needs, prayer requests, we'd love to hear from you on that end as well. Love you, and we will see you on the flip side. Hey, before you go, though, you know, I love the fact I was reading something that said, um, I forget who it was, but it was a guy on Twitter that said, I really love those pastors that take pictures in front of their books to try to show everybody how smart they are. <laughs> Here's the problem. I just, I thought I'd just say, thank you. Hey, thank you're you smart. Uh, you, I think all these are, this is actually your office. So, you know, I just, <laughs> <laughs> is it really? No, but no, I'm, it's not. It's yours. Okay. I, I didn't think it was mine. Hey, my other option was a big blue wall. <laughs> Dude, I, I love I love what you look like in staff meeting though. I'm just gonna tell you, I don't know where that wall is behind you. It just it brings out your beautiful blue eyes. Um, <laughs> that that uh, I, I just think you look. I think you look. I think both of you guys look great. Okay. The other day I told Justin his blue eyes reminded me a lot of Kenneth Copeland, and it was. Oh. <laughs> I think that our next his podcast, eyes. Justin, his eyes, not his theology. I'm just saying he is a haunting looking His intensity human. too. Um, I think our next podcast should definitely be one of us sitting in front of a bookshelf and the other two just critiquing all of our books. I see a couple I got thoughts on. Actually, those are pretty good. I see are a whole stack taping? of printing books. Are we still taping, just Ryan? This, uh-huh. is, this is for Ryan. Go deeper. Go deeper. <laughs> hey, get out of here. We love you guys. Bye. <laughs>